we are going to continue our, our little series called Simple. Simple. So if you got your Bibles, you can open them up to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. We're going to be there in just a few moments. <clears throat> and uh, the concept of this Simple series is, is that we're looking at questions that seem to be complicated. That seem to be, all right, how, how can you respond? To, how can you get to the meat of that? But when you boil it all down, these complicated questions, Jesus answers them very simply. Uh, last week, we looked at the question that was, was asked of Jesus. Uh, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out a demon? The disciples, they had been uh, given the authority and power to cast out demons. They had done it before, but then they went to go do it. And for some reason, it didn't work. And they couldn't figure out why, so they went to Jesus afterwards and said, Jesus, why couldn't we cast out that demon? What, what was going on? Did we say something wrong? Did we do something wrong? Were we in the wrong place, the wrong time? What was going on? And Jesus told them, it's very simple. The reason you couldn't cast it out is because of prayer. You need to have a consistent prayer life. And that was it. That was what was separating them from experiencing breakthrough in their lives. And, and that's what stops us from experiencing breakthrough in our lives is we don't have that consistent prayer life. So that's what we looked at in week one, is how to experience breakthrough. And in Matthew chapter 18, we're going to be looking at our next question today. So Matthew chapter 18, verse one says this. Again, the disciples are asking the question. It says, at that time, the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? So that is our question today. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Uh, let me take a quick survey out here. How many people in the room you like to lose? You like to, I mean, you just play games just so you can lose, just so you can get last place. There's no losers in the building here? Come on. No, nobody likes to lose? All right? Uh, yeah, we don't like to lose. We like to win. Let me ask another question. How many are, of you are competitive out there? You like to win, right? All right, we got a lot of competitive people in the room, right? We, we like to win. We don't like to lose. I'm a very competitive person. I love competing. I, I love having fun. I, I hate to say it, even though we're going to get smoked in church league basketball uh, this year, but unless, um, maybe you are the answer to our team. Uh, but, you know, I, it's still fun. I love competing. But sometimes our competitive nature can get us into trouble. It can really do that. Uh, it's gotten me into trouble before. I, I, can I share with you my most embarrassing moment of being a pastor? Is that all right? Because it happened right here on this platform, and many of you probably saw it. And uh, I feel like not a day goes by that I don't think about this moment. Uh, it happened maybe five, six years ago. Uh, we started a, a program in church called uh, Junior Bible Quiz, right? And, and we still do that in Sunday school, and, and I love Junior Bible Quiz. Growing up, I was all about Junior Bible Quiz. I mean, my family uh, breathed. Junior Bible Quiz. And what Junior Bible Quiz is, is it's uh, a set of questions, kind of Bible trivia questions, but it really gets the Word of God into your heart. And, and so for years, we, we did Bible Quiz growing up, and we had all, I had all the questions memorized, and, and, and we did Bible Quiz. I love Bible Quiz. So when we started a Bible Quiz program here at AFA, I was excited uh, because I knew that this was going to really help our kids grow in their relationship with God and, and get deep spiritual truths down in their heart and God's Word down in their heart, and nothing is wrong with that, right? Well, a year into it, uh, the, the staff decided, you know what? It would be really cool to promote Bible Quiz by having a little competition on the platform. Let's put our current quizzers against some former quizzers. 
you know, Pastor Ben, you used to do Bible quiz, didn't you? Will you go up there and compete against, you know, these third and fourth grade kids, you know, to promote Bible quiz? And I thought, yeah, that's great. I'd love to. And, and so there's a couple of us. We, we got up there, former quizzers, and, and we're going against these third and fourth graders. Now, I got to set this up. Again, I'm competitive, right? And for months, the staff had been telling me, you got no chance. You've got no chance. These guys have been studying every week. They are learning. They know all the questions. And you haven't quizzed in, what, 15 years? You're not going to remember a thing. And, and I, every week, it was constant. You can't do it. You're not good enough. You know, they're going to beat you. And so I get up there, and my mindset is, i got to win. I've got to win, right? And I, I'm competing against third and fourth graders. And I'm the pastor here. And, and, but some, my competitive spirit's starting to take over, right? So I get up there, and, and I thought, okay, I need to lose. I need to lose. It'd be bad if I beat children. This is just not a good look. And we get up there, and I was like, but I got to know. I got I to gotta show everybody I still got it, right? First question comes up. We're only doing five questions. So the first team to three win. John, you know, we were, we were there together. We're working on this thing. Uh, so first question comes in. I buzz in. I get it right. There we go. Take that. Everybody, I still remember it, right? Question two comes in. My teammate answers it. So now we're up two to nothing on the third and fourth graders. How proud are we, right? Third question comes in. And it's at this moment that something in my brain should go off and say, just stop, right? Just you're up two to nothing on these third and fourth graders. You're trying to promote Bible quiz. This isn't about you. And they start asking the question. And I don't know if reflexes took over or something, but I hit the buzzer again. We didn't even give him a chance to buzz in, right? And so I'm sitting there, and I still have a, I, I've got a choice. I could get the question wrong, or I could get it right and destroy all their hopes and dreams. <laughs> well, that thought never occurred to me, so I just got it right. And so now I'm sitting there realizing we just beat them, and we didn't even give them a chance to play. How could I? And, and I felt so low, and the worst part of it all is they gave us a trophy at the end. <laughs> so I had to sit there and stare at that thing as a reminder of, what did you do to these children? You destroyed, I mean, Noah, you didn't talk to me for a couple months after that, because man, it was just, oh, I felt awful. I felt so low because I allowed that competitive spirit to get me into trouble. And I think that's what was going on in this, this passage. The disciples allowed their competitive spirit to get him into a little bit of trouble because the kingdom of heaven isn't about being the greatest, but yet they were coming over and they said, hey, Jesus, who is the greatest? Is it me? Is it them? Is it Peter? Is it Philip? Is it, who is it, Jesus? Who is the greatest? See, because they'd seen Jesus pull some people aside before. They, they saw Jesus pull Peter, James, and John up on that mountain, have that mountaintop experience. They, they'd seen Jesus single Peter out. And, and so they're just kind of jockeying for position. They said, ah, hey, who's, who's going to be, you know, at your right-hand side? Gee, who's, your, who, who's your favorite, Jesus? Who's, who's the greatest? They had this competitive nature. Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? That's the question we're asking today. And now maybe you're sitting there thinking, I don't need to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. That's not my goal. I've never asked that question. Uh, you know, I, I'm not like that. So I'm good. I can check out. But maybe you've asked this question. Have you ever said, am I better than that person? Have you ever compared yourself to somebody else in the church? 
Right? We've all been guilty of that at one time or another. Am I a better Christian than them? You know, or do, but I, I raise my hands more than they do. My faith is stronger. I go to church more often than that person, so clearly I must be uh, better spiritually. I, I pray longer. Or how about this one? I know I'm pretty messed up, but I know the person next to me in the pew is a lot more messed up than me, so I should be just fine. Right? We like to compare ourselves. And when we compare ourselves to the person next to us, we may not be saying who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, but we are saying, am I greater than them? Am I better than them? Are they better than me? And we're asking that question, who is the greatest? Because we like to win. We like to be on top. We may not aspire for the best, but we sure want to be better than some people. So we play this comparison game. So what's the answer? How does one become the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? How, how does Jesus respond to this? So verse 2, I love Jesus' response. It says this. It says, in calling to him a child, Jesus put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Can you imagine that? Here the disciples, these, these grown men are arguing over who is going to be the greatest, who, who's going to be the best. Uh, Jesus, who do you love the most? Who, who's going to be your guy, Jesus? And so he, he calls over this little kid. He says, you see this little kid? And, and it says he puts him in their midst. So I don't know. He's got all 12 disciples circled around this guy. Look at that kid. You want to be the greatest? Be like that kid. Right? That's what you need to do. You need to humble yourself like this child. So his answer, his simple answer to this difficult question of who is the greatest is simply humility. You want to be the greatest? Be the humblest among us. You've got to have humility in our life because uh, this is a secret to the kingdom of heaven. Humility leads to promotion. Humility leads to promotion. You don't have to do anything else. You just need to be humble, and God will promote you. Uh, James chapter 4 says, humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. Luke 14 says, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves will be exalted. Proverbs chapter 18 says, before destruction, a man's heart is haughty, but humility comes before honor. And, and Mary Jesus' mom, Mary, prayed in Luke chapter 1. She said, God has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. So Jesus takes those who are humble and he lifts those up. God takes those who are the least among us and he makes them the greatest, right? If we want to be the greatest, you need to be the least. This is constantly reminded to us all throughout Scripture, Old Testament, New Testament. God takes the humble and he lifts them up. Now, to the competitive person out there, this is so confusing right? Wait, God, you're telling me that if I want to win, that I got to lose. God, I don't get that. I, I don't like that. If you want me to be great, then I need to be humble. In, in fact, uh, it's almost like Jesus is saying, if you want to win the game, then you got to stop playing the game because it's not a game at all, right? You, you got to get out of the game. If you want to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, you got to humble yourself the lowest, See, that's not the answer that we like to hear because this world has not taught us that way to win a game. The world doesn't teach us humility is the way to winning, the way to get on top. Uh, the world teaches us through school. We, we're taught work hard, right? If you work hard, if you get good grades, if you get into to college, you get a good degree, and you just work hard, then you're going to get a good job, you're going to succeed. 
uh, sports. If you practice hard, and if you work hard, and, and, and you, you do your greatest, then, then you're going to succeed. You're going to be a champion one day. Or the world also teaches us, uh, if you can't work hard, then it's all about who you know. It's all about who you, if you make the right connections, if you meet the right people, if you get connected in the right circles, then you're going to find promotion, you're going to find promotion, you're going to, as long as you know the right people, then you can succeed, then you can get to the top. And hey, if all those else, if all those ways fail, then the last thing you can do is just cheat the system, right? Go in the back door, uh, skip a couple steps, uh, do things that maybe not be legal to get on top. And these are all the ways the world teaches us this is how you succeed. But nobody teaches us, well, you got to be humble. You got to be low. That's what Jesus teaches. It's totally upside down. We need to get low. Humility uh, in this world isn't a way to get ahead, but humility is the way to get ahead in, in the kingdom of heaven. Again, Matthew 19 says, many who are first will be last, but many who are last will be first. So what is humility? How do we humble ourselves? How does, what does that look like in our life? So I, I want to break down this passage a little bit to see what true humility looks like. And so the first thing that Jesus says, he says, you know, very truly I say to you, I tell you the truth, unless you turn. He says those three words, unless you turn. See, if we want to humble ourselves, it involves a change in direction, a change in where we're going. We, we need to turn. We need to do a 180. Uh, we don't need to wait for somebody else to change. We have to be the ones to change. It starts with you. So if you want to be the greatest, it starts inside of your heart. It starts with the decisions that you make. You need to change. You need to turn around. And what do you need to turn from? Well, the opposite of humility. We need to turn from our pride. We need to turn away from our pride. We need to turn from our pride because pride puffs up. Pride makes us think that we're something when really we're, we're nothing. Everything we have is, is God's. Everything we have is what God has given us. Uh, but pride tells us that we're something. See, pride in, in the church, uh, it can rear its head several different ways. Pride can uh, look like we want other people to notice. You know, we serve, but we want other people to notice. You know, I'm going to go serve at this event, but hey, everybody, look at what I'm doing. You know, pay attention to me, and, and that's the reason why we're serving. Or we desire and, and we feel like we deserve recognition all the time. Don't you know what I did? Well, what did we do it for? Who, who are we serving? Are you serving yourself or are you serving Jesus? Pride can show itself by always having to be right. Always having to be right and never admitting when we're wrong, never apologizing, never, never humbling ourselves and saying, yeah, you're right, I, I probably shouldn't have done that, but we've always got to be right. Or somebody tells us something and you just got to say, yeah, I know, I knew that already, right? That, that's pride building up inside of us. We've got to be right. Uh, pride can look uh, like we want everybody else to think that we have it all together. We want everybody to think, oh, they're perfect, they, they've got it all done. So that's, that's pride building up in our lives. See, Jesus wants us to come the way we are, not to put on a mask, not to put on a face, uh, a different face, but just to come even in our messed up situation and say, God, here I am, take all of me. But pride comes in when we've got to have it all together. Uh, pride comes in because we don't want to ask for help. That's difficult. Guys, that's difficult to have to ask for help and humble ourselves and ask for directions or anything like that. You know, we want to get it done on our own, asking for help. Uh, Asking for help is a form of humility, so not asking for help is a form of pride. Another form of pride is, is when we just stick to our circle. 
We don't reach out to that new, we see that new person over there, but we don't want to talk to them. Ah, what would I even talk? It's a form of pride when we, we say, ah, it's just, it's just us. I'm not going to go outside of that bubble because we're sending that message, you don't belong here. We, we don't care. You may not think that, but that's the message we're sending. Pride builds up when we're not quick to encourage. We expect others to encourage us, but we're not quick to encourage others. Instead, we gossip about them behind their back. Because when we, we gossip about somebody, it's, it's like we take them down a notch so we can be greater. But when we encourage somebody, we, we build them up, and, and we take them up another notch. But we don't like that because then that brings us down a notch. Right, so all of this, this pride in our lives. So we need to change direction. We need to stop pursuing selfish gain, and we need to start pursuing Jesus. Philippians 2.3 puts it this way. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Consider others better than yourself. Let me do just a, a line of logic here for you. Right at the beginning, it says, to be the greatest, we need to humble ourselves, right? Jesus told us, to be the greatest, then you need to humble yourself like this child. And then in Philippians 2, it says, uh, uh, to be humble, to be humble, we need to consider others better than ourselves, right? So you put those all together. To be the greatest, you need to humble yourself. To humble yourself, you have to consider others better than yourself. So in other words, you put that together, if you want to be the greatest, then you've got to admit that you're not the greatest, like, how does that make sense, right? To be the greatest, you got to tell other people, you're better than me. you gotta tell, you got to serve other people and look to after their interests before your own. That's how we become the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. In our American culture, that's not easy to do because we're, we're constantly uh, being bombarded telling, it's all about you. It's all about you. Don't worry about that other person. What do you want? What do you need? You should have it your way. You should have everything according to what you want, your dreams, your desires. And we often don't consider other, other people in our choices, how it affects other people. So to walk in humility, it's a choice that we have to make every day. Is it going to be me first, or is it going to be you first? Which choice are we going to make, me or you? And God says humility is considering others better than yourself. See, the, the nice thing about humility is that humility is freeing. It's, it's freeing because when, when pride comes in, we're constantly trying to puff ourselves up. We're constantly trying to pretend to be someone we're not and let everybody know uh, that, hey, we're greater than what we actually are. But in humility, we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to put on a mask. We don't have to put on a face. We don't have to put on a front. We can be the person that God has called us to be. We can be genuine. We can be real. We have the freedom to be the person God's created us to be. So that is, that's humility. We've got to turn. We've got to turn around, we've got to turn away from our pride, and we've got to say, God, I want you more than I want me. God, I want to help others more than I want to help myself. So that's, that's part one of humility. Also in this passage, what, again, we're looking at what is humility? What does it mean to be humble? So it says, truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So first we need to turn away from our pride. And second, we need to humble ourselves like little children. We need to be humble like children to enter the kingdom of God. We need to be humble like children to be the greatest. Now, many of you, you were children at one time, and, and some of you have kids or you've had kids. Uh, notice that this passage, it doesn't tell you to be childish like children. 
tells you to be childlike, right? Child, childlike, not childish. So that doesn't mean you get to throw temper tantrums and, and, and do all of those things, but it, it says we need to be childlike, that we need to be dependent the way kids are dependent. As children are quick to trust and believe, may we be quick and trust to believe in God, in the words that he speaks to us. May we be quick to trust and believe in God. As a kid is impressionable, impressionable and moldable, may our hearts be, be moldable in God's hands. Right? That, that's what it means to be childlike. Uh, as a young child has no concern about status, right? they're friends with everybody, may we not be concerned with where we rank among the people around us. May we be, be moldable, may we be changeable, may we, may, may we love, may we care just the way a little child does. One scholar wrote uh, about uh, children in the days of Jesus. It, it, he said that a child was a person of no importance in Jewish society, subject to the authority of his elders, not taken seriously except as a responsibility, one to be looked after, not one to be looked up to. So when Jesus puts this little child in the middle of them, they, they view this child as a, oh, we got to take care of the kid. Not as, oh, what, what kind of a future could this kid have? No, this was just a responsibility. This, this was somebody you had to watch, you had to take care of and, and, and help them in every step along the way. And Jesus was saying, you need to be like that. You need to be dependent. You need to be dependent on me. You need to be dependent on your heavenly father. See, to, to be like a child is to be dependent on God, to trust in God. See, I, I, love, I love how maybe gullible is the right word. I love how gullible kids are. I mean, they'll believe anything from those who they trust. I mean, parents, think about how many times that you've lied to your kids just to get them to do what you want. Come on, it's a very effective style of parenting. It's maybe not the right style, uh, but we've done it before. You know, the kid's crying in the back seat like, Mom, why was that deer on the side of the road? Oh, it's just sleeping. It's just taking a nap. You know, you don't want them to cry the rest of the way home. Uh, or the kid's eating too much candy, so you tell them, hey, you know what? If you eat too much candy, all your hair's going to fall out. You know, you don't want to do that. You should probably stop. Or your, your child just won't stop talking. You know, it's just constant, constant, constant. So you tell them, you know, we're only allotted 10,000 words per month. And uh, if we ever go past that 10,000 mark, you lose your voice. You never can talk again. And you're about 9,500 right now, you know. We, we, we tell them these lies, and they believe it. They buy it. And in the same way, we need to believe in what God has. But the good thing is, God's a good parent. He's not like us, right? He doesn't tell those lies. That, no, he's honest, he's kind, and he loves us. And so we need to be willing to believe what he speaks in us. So maybe God speaks over to you, hey, I've got a plan for you. I've got something great for you. We could choose to say, no, I don't believe that. You can't use me, God. But if we're going to be humble like children, we need to believe in our Heavenly Father. We need to believe that what He tells us is true, that He's looking out for our best interests. So just like a child uh, is willing to believe their parents, and we're fallible parents, we need to believe in God who's infallible, who doesn't mess up, who doesn't mis make mistakes, who's never broken a promise. We need to trust in God. We need to trust in him. That's how it, what it means to be dependent on him. Uh, another thing about kids is, is just the childlike wonder that they have. I mean, they, they seem to appreciate the things that, that we don't. We've become jaded. The more we see in this world, we, yeah, we've seen that before. Uh, we, we were driving the other day, driving out of town a little bit, and 
and uh, our daughter Ella in the back, all of a sudden she just goes, wow, it's so beautiful. And I'm looking out the window, like, what is so beautiful? I, I don't see what you're talking about. So I asked her, like, Ella, what'd you just see? She said, I just saw a hill. We really need to get out of Aberdeen more. Um, I think that's what, I mean, everything's flat. But she just saw the beauty in the hill that God had made. It was no mountain, it was just a hill, right? But, but it, was, it was beautiful to her, it was a great thing to her. And how often do we lose that childlike wonder and, and we just take everything for granted? The, the fact that we have breath in our lungs, the, the fact of everything that God has given us, the beauty of his uh, creation. I, I look out the last couple of days and just see the beauty of, you know, God can turn all of our trees white. You know, isn't that cool? It, just, just the beauty of his creation that, that God has and, and all the things working together, the way our, our bodies work and, and our cells work down to the micro inside of us. God has a big plan for us. God's got so many things. And when's the last time we just took a moment and we're in awe of God and in awe of his creation? Because when we, when we take that moment to realize that God's greater that, that God is a great author and a great artist and, and, and he's the creator and all of those things. Well, it kind of puts us in our place. It, it humbles us to realize we're just a small part in this big picture. Having that childlike wonder. When's the last time we've been in awe of God? Well, Jesus echoed something very similar to what he, he taught in this passage in Matthew chapter 5. In Sermon on the Mountain. The Beatitudes, the very first one, he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. In the same way, you need to be humble like little children if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. If you want to be the greatest, you've got to be poor in spirit. If you want to be the greatest, you've got to be humble like this child. That, that's what it's all about, is to be humble. I like the way uh, one of the minor prophets, Micah, asked the question, he poses the question, what does God require of us? What, what does God want? God, if I could give you anything in this world, God, what would you desire of me? And so he, he starts going through this list. What if I gave you the very best of what I have? The, the, the highest quality sacrifice to you. Uh, if I gave you my very best, would that please you? Or how about this, God? What if I gave you just an extravagant gift? What if I gave you the most of everything I have? I just gave it to you all. I gave you, it may not be quality, but I'm going to give you a bunch of quantity. I'm going to give you as much as I can give you. This is going to hurt me. This is going to be a great sacrifice. God, would that bless you? Or, or God, what if I gave you my most precious possession? What if I gave you my kids? And I just said, God, they're, they're yours. Uh, you have your way. God, I, I, I want you to, to take them. What would, God, what do you require of us? And in Micah chapter 6, verse 80, he has the answer. He, he says, he has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? We like to complicate things. We like to make them messy. We, we like to, to think in, in our worldly terms. You know, God, I, what if I just give you this? And, and God, what if I give you that? What if I give He says, no, I've already told you what you needed. Be just, be kind, and walk humbly. Just walk humbly. It's a, it's a simple answer. It's not difficult. Walk humbly in me. 
But if we want to please God, that's all we need to do is to walk humbly in his presence. To understand that he is greater than we are. But some days we act like we're greater than God is. It's saying, I'm going to become a servant. God, I want to please you. See, humility is removing all that spiritual competition from ourselves and desiring God more than we desire anything else. To stop comparing ourselves to our neighbor and, and simply say, God, I want you. More than winning, more than getting ahead, more than our self-preservation. More of you, God, and less of me. I, I love uh, I love the way that John the Baptist put it in John chapter 3. He says, he must increase, I must decrease. And that's a prayer that we should pray every single day. God, may you increase today. May I decrease. May I become smaller. May I become less because compared to you, I am nothing. God, humble me. God, make me more like you. Make me a servant like you. You know, Jesus gives us the roadmap to humility. Right? He, he doesn't ask us to do anything he wasn't willing to do himself. And he gives us the road map to humility. See, he was God. He always was God. He always is God. But, but he was God. He was in heaven. And he decided to, to humble himself. He took on the frailty of human flesh. So he could experience pain like we experience pain. He became a baby, a child, somebody who was dependent on his parents for survival. The God of the universe was dependent on his parents for survival. Uh, it, he, he lived this life. He went through all the pain and the hurt that, that you and I have experienced. When it came towards the end, he, he got down and he humbled himself to the point of a servant washing his disciples' feet, even the one who was going to betray him, the one who was going to deny him the one who's going to doubt him. And, and he washed their feet, their stinky feet. He was beaten, but he didn't fight back. He was, he was mocked, but he never said a word. He was falsely accused, yet he didn't argue. He allowed men, men that he had created, to nail him to a cross. Think about that. That God allowed men to nail him to a cross. And he humbled himself. He humbled himself. He could have called down a, a legion of angels to pull him off that cross, but he didn't. And he humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. See, Jesus came to serve, not be served. He came to be humbled. I've read this passage many times, but it, it's something that's so good that we can be reminded of. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says this, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. But remember, humility, with humility comes promotion. So he humbled himself to the lowest point. Verse 9 says, therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. So Jesus made the ultimate example. He humbled himself lower than anyone else, and because of that, God exalted him to the highest place. 
humility. You want to be the greatest? Become the least. Worship team, would you come? And, and that's, that's the answer today. It's humility. It's not complicated. It's difficult. It's hard. It's hard to be humble. But that's what God calls us to. Humility, to follow in his footsteps, to humble ourselves as we follow after him. I, I like this quote from C.S. Lewis. He says this, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. Right? Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but it's thinking of yourself less. It's, it's putting other people in front of you. It's saying, I, I want to meet their needs before I meet my own needs. God, help me to care about people the way you care about people. May, may, I, may I love people. God, humble me. Now today I thought about it and I thought, oh, I could have them do this. I could, I could tell them to do this. If you want to be humble, do this. And we could come up with a long list. I give you ways to humble yourself. Uh, stop being easily offended. Ask for advice. Be more thankful. Stop using the word I all the time. Be teachable. Stop being defensive. Celebrate when others succeed. Don't be jealous of them. Scrub a toilet. You know, all these things. We, we can come up with a long list of ways to be humble. But at the end of the day, humility isn't about doing things. Right? We need to be humble whether we're around people or whether nobody's watching. Humility isn't something that we do. It's something that we are. Are we humble? Are we humble. It's about putting God's will over our own every time. God, what do you want me to do? God, what do you want me to do in this situation? Because you are greater. You are greater. I want to share a quote with you. It's sat on my desk for, for many years to the point where I can't even remember where I wrote it down from. But it's good. Let me, let me read this to you. It says, humility is a natural byproduct of time spent in the presence of God. Humility is a natural byproduct of time spent in the presence of God. So ultimately, rather than just saying, okay, I can do this to be humble, I can do this to be humble, I can do this to be humble, the number one source where our humility comes from is just spending time with our Creator. It's spending time with God and walking humbly and, and saying, God, what's your will today? Because the more time we spend in God's presence, the more we're going to be like God. And Jesus, He was as humble as they came humble. He put others first. He did the jobs nobody wanted to do. And he, he did God's will over his own will. He didn't want to have to go to that cross. That was, that was pain. That was torture. But yet he said, God, I'm going to do it because it's your will. And I want to follow you. So you want to be humble in your life. Let's spend more time with Jesus. That's the, that's the way we can have humility in our life because we want to enter the kingdom of heaven. You want to be the greatest? You've got to be the least. Would you stand with me? I ask the worship team to come and we're going to sing that song, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you because it helps us remember who our God is. It helps us remember how dependent we are on God. So before we're dismissed today, I want to just take a moment. I want us to sing this song and I want you just to, to really think about this. Think about how dependent we are on God. How great He is. And how much we need to rely on Him every single day, just like a child relies on their parent. 
May we rely on our Heavenly Father. Worship team, would you lead us?
last week our challenge was to take time each day to pray. To be con consistent in our prayer life. But that, that challenge remains. We, we need to have a consistent prayer life. Uh, this week I want to challenge you again to do something very similar. To spend time in God's presence every single day. Because again, that's where our humility comes from. That's, that's the source of it, is to spend time in the presence of God. Whether that's in prayer, whether that's in turning on some worship music and just truly giving God our focus, whether that's spending time in God's word. Let's take time every day this week to depend on God, to connect with God, to hear from Him, and then allow that, that prayer time, that, that Bible reading time to change you. Remember the things that God told you to do. Remember the words that He spoke to you and apply it to your life each and every day. Let's take that time consistently to be in God's presence because that's where humility comes from. That's how we can be the greatest in his kingdom, is to humble ourselves and worship him. Let me pray for you. Uh, let me pray. You're, you're, you're dismissed. These, these altars will be open and encourage you. Spend some more time just at the feet of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. God, you are great. You are amazing. God, you sit on the throne. God, you created this whole world. And God, when we stop to think about how great you are, it can make us feel small. And that's all right. That's a good place to be in. God, to see how great you are. Because God, you still want to use us. God, you use us in our humility. God, may we become the least so we can become more like you. So we can be closer to you. Lord, I pray you bless your people as, as we go from this place today. May we choose humility. May we choose to put others first. May we choose to put you first. Take us down the list a little bit, God. Help us to honor you in all that we do. So, Lord, I pray that you would bless your people. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for they shall receive the kingdom of heaven. Blessings on your people as we go today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Have an incredible week. Again, these altars are open. If you just need to spend more time at the feet of Jesus, I encourage you to do that. Lord, I need